In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins. And trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. In his great mercy, God made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. Hear the word of Christ through his called servant. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. This is established, it shall never be moved. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our Maker and Redeemer, you wonderfully created us and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. first lesson for the first Sunday after Christmas is written in the second book of Samuel, chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, Did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. I address my verses to the King. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. 
The second lesson is written in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God gave the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please. Alleluia. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Alleluia. Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Glory be to you, O Lord. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Praise be to you, O
grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? It is no secret who this child is. This child is Christ, the King, the Lord, the eternal Word of God now made flesh, born to save his people from their sins. It's no secret because the angels sang it from heaven. They announced it, who he is and what he would do. The shepherds came to see him, finding him just as they had been told, and then returned to their flocks, praising, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Even wise men came from the east, bowed down to him in worship. They presented gifts to this child as to a king. And when Mary and Joseph entered into the temple to do for the child what the law required, and an old man named Simeon came, he held the baby in his arms, he prophesied concerning this child. First, he praised God for fulfilling his promise by allowing Simeon to see with his own eyes, to see his salvation. And not only his, but the salvation of the whole world, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. What child is this? Everyone's agreed. Angels, shepherds, magi, aged seers. It's a savior. Christ the Lord. And Mary and Joseph agree too. For they name him Savior, they name him Jesus, as the angels said. Now, Simeon has a word not about the Christ child, not to the child, but he has a word for these two, Mary and Joseph. These two, who shall we say, the two who love him the most, who care for him, who believe in him, who want nothing bad to happen. They want nothing more but for all of his life and work to be crowned with success and now are charged with his care. St. Luke tells us that Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and then said to Mary, said, this child is is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Some blessing, huh? This child is going to cause many to fall. This child will be spoken against, and what people think of him will be even worse than what they say. How would you react if someone said such a thing about your child, much less this child? Yeah, no, I don't think so. 
not my kid. Not this child, for sure. This child is Christ, the King, the Lord. He is Jesus. He's the Savior of all mankind, a light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. Everyone's going to love him. Of course. Just like we love him. Simeon, you must be mistaken. But he's not. Because it turns out just as Simeon said. From then until even the present day, despite the popularity of Christmas and the near universal celebration of something like Christmas, I hate to break it to you, but not everyone likes Jesus. Even if they should. Even if they say they do. Not everyone loves him or trusts in him or worships him. He is what you call a divisive figure, a controversial figure, always has been. He causes the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Israel, those are the people who, to whom he was sent. And as St. John tells us in our Christmas Gospel, he was sent to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The very people who should have welcomed him and worshipped him and loved him didn't. By their reaction to, by their response to, their rejection of him, they reveal what is in their hearts, the wickedness of their thoughts of their hearts. They rejected him, spoke against him, accused him, plotted against him, crucified him. But even then, their opposition was still not satisfied. After he rose victoriously from the dead, they lied about his resurrection. And then they ran around killing, executing his disciples and his apostles who proclaimed that resurrection. And repeatedly, since the, in the centuries since, Christians, Jesus Christians who have, have been persecuted, martyred, mocked, and ridiculed. And even if you might say, well, that's, that's an extreme. Those are extreme, exceptional, brutal responses to Christ and his Christians. Let me ask you, what's the norm? What's the most common response? Isn't it just plain old rejection? Dismissal and denial of Christ? And even among Israel? Even among those to whom he is sent? Those who should be his own? The norm seems to be apostasy or hypocrisy. More people fall away from the faith than come to it. And it would seem that the more this Christian church centers its whole life around Christ and his word, the less popular it becomes. And then even among those who do love him. 
among us who do believe in him, we too do not treat him as we ought. Luther has a comment on this, on this verse. He says, he, Jesus, ought to be my true friend and comforter. But the old donkey in me won't have it. In my heart, it is just as bad as it is in the world. He is a sign to be spoken against. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon said that to Mary, but, but I can think you can imagine you can imagine how she was cut to the heart at the foot of the cross, but, but for those who love him, it cuts too, doesn't it? When Jesus is rejected. You sense that, I think, when, when you hear the account on Good Friday of Jesus' crucifixion, and it pains you that such would happen to him. You feel the tip of that sword when, when Christians are persecuted, when they are slandered. Or when the world expresses its disdain or disregard for this one whom you love. You know how it cuts when even people dear to you drift from him. And even pricks when your own conscience reveals your own thoughts against him. We might ask ourselves, Simeon, what kind of blessing is this? This doesn't seem like a blessing at all. A sword piercing your soul sounds more like a curse. So I want you to imagine then how it would be, say, for Mary if she hadn't been told, if this prophecy had not been given, if she had gone home from the temple that day going to expect that every day would be like Christmas with the shepherds coming to worship her child and like Epiphany with the wise men bringing gifts, if she had come to expect that everyone would simply love and worship her child as they ought. Imagine that we had the expectation that everyone really loves Jesus, or at least they would love him if only they knew him. Imagine how our faith or our church life would be, would be shaken when we inevitably come to the conclusion and realize that they don't. I have to give credit to our, our Dr. Luther for his observations on, this, on these verses. I would not have thought of it on my own. Luther says about these words, this prophecy, he says these words, these words are written so that we should not despair when we see great crowds falling away from Christ. And he says, if all this had not been so clearly predicted through the apostles, no Christian could endure it. The pain, that is. It would destroy us. It would, it would hurt too much. It would, it would send us into the pit of despair. L Luther talks about this with regard to his own life and, and, and preaching. 
He thought to himself that the, the gospel had been hindered for so long and had not been proclaimed cle- clearly that if people just heard the message, if he preached, they would hear and believe and love him. But near the end of his life, he looked back and he thought to himself, you know what, I almost, almost wish I had never preached a thing. For the disappointment of the rejection of the clear preaching of the word. It hurts so much to have this preaching rejected or ignored. He says, I would almost wish I had never done it, except for this comfort. This comfort that this was foretold. Because, of course, this Christ child and the God who sent him also knew exactly what would be. He knew how he would be received, exactly how he would be received, exactly how he would be opposed. And still he came. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not recognize him, and still, still he came. And so there is also this comfort. That the same Christ who causes many to fall, many to reject him, many to fall from him, also causes many to rise. He does that. All the rejection, the contradiction, the despising of many does not destroy or hinder or even cloud the love, the trust, and the confidence of his family. Don't you think? that Mary left the temple that day, holding her baby tighter than ever. Don't you think that Mary and Joseph both returned to their home? They were ready to take this child's side in everything, resolved to give all things they had to, not let, to let nothing stand between them and this child, between this child and his saving work. Dear people of God, you who love Jesus. May these words also bring you comfort. When the world and even nominal Christians show what they really think of Jesus, and perhaps even when they take it out on you. But may these words also draw you closer to him, knowing that it's It's not your arms that keep him safe. He's a big boy. He can handle opposition, even if it's hell, even if it's death. No. No, it's in his arms that you are safe. This child, our Christ, might be maybe spoken against, maybe hated and rejected, causing many to fall, But this child is no unwilling victim. He is no loser. He is, even if the whole world would oppose him, he is Christ, Lord, your Savior, your King, your Conqueror, 
and your brother. He goes into battle. He goes into life knowing exactly what he's up against. He knows those who are against him. He also knows who are with him. He knows who loves him, who cares for him, who worships him. Simeon prophesied to Mary and Joseph to comfort them, to encourage them, to prepare them. Along with all those who likewise hold the Christ not in their arms, but in their hearts, who have them placed upon their lips and on their tongue. He comforts them and prepares them and encourages them. That is you. That they also, that you also may be blessed through this child. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For grace to rejoice in Christ's blessed incarnation, that in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem us and give us the adoption as your sons and heirs, and to grant us a glad new year, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, that all who have been baptized into Christ may embrace the Christ child by word and faith, and so be ready to depart whenever they are called. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the families of all Christians, that the Heavenly Father, from whom all fatherhood on earth is named, would bless them with his promises. For parents, that they would be diligent and take delight in their work. For children, that by God's favor they would grow in strength and wisdom. And for all widows, orphans, and broken families, that God would comfort them with his mercy and give them joy in the redemption won for them in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For delight in the fear of the Lord, that we may entrust ourselves only to Christ, who alone judges all matters in equity and righteousness. For princes and leaders of this world, who must judge by what they see and hear, that they would be blessed with wisdom and health. And for discernment, that we may honor them, for the sake of conscience before our Lord, let us pray to the Lord. Let us have mercy. For the sick and suffering, that according to God's gracious will, they would be healed. That, and for those who mourn, that God would fill their hearts with a certain hope of the resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who commune this day, that they would see their salvation in the very body and blood of Christ, given them to eat and to drink in this, and thus, with Simeon, be prepared to depart in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving for our brothers and sisters who have departed in the peace of faith, and that with them we may behold the light of the nations and the glory of Israel in eternal life, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, for in the mystery of the Word made flesh, you have given us a new revelation of your glory, that seeing you in the person of your Son, we may be drawn to the love of those things which are not seen. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord. 
Almighty God, endless is your mercy and eternal is your reign. Out of love you created us and everything which exists. In mercy you preserved the church in Noah's day with a flood. In grace you promised to bless us through Abraham's seed. With patience you protected that seed through the judges and kings of Israel. In faithfulness you repeated your promises through the prophets. And when the time had fully come, you sent your son born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law with a perfect and sufficient sacrifice which paid the price for the sins of the entire world. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, gracious Lord, we bow before you in thankfulness for your many and varied gifts. For Christ's redemptive death, his victorious resurrection, his ascension promises, and his powerful reign at your right hand. Bolstered by your endless grace and Pentecost spirit, we eagerly await his glorious return. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O God, the Father, source of all goodness, in your loving kindness you sent your Son to share our humanity. We thank you that through him you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We also pray that you will not forsake us, but will rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, so that we willingly serve you day after day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.